Hi, it's Mav from the future of when we recorded this episode. I know you're probably expecting a funny bumper here, but before we get into the show, I just wanted to let you know that during this, you're going to hear us mention in passing some of the protests and riots going on in America right now. As we recorded it, those were just starting, so we didn't really know how bad they would get, so we don't go into a lot of detail. But if you've been watching the news and seeing the coverage of what's happening in the United States, you know that since we recorded this a few days ago, it's gotten pretty bad. If you have the means and you can help out some of the people affected by these tragedies, please check our show notes and follow some of the links that you'll find there. You'll also find a link to my personal blog where I talk about some of my thoughts on exactly what's happening and how riots affect the cultural makeup of not only America, but affect social change in the world. In any case, we just want to let you know that that's why we didn't address it more on the show. We certainly hope that all of you stay safe. We certainly hope you enjoy the rest of the show. And now, on to the epic theme music. Academic Roundtable of Pop Culture Analysis with Drinking and Swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts Katya and Hannah. How's it going, guys? You know, the world is on fire. <laughs> In some cases, quite literally, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. I've spent the day watching protests and arguing with people on Facebook and dealing with people going, well, why are people burning down their own neighborhoods? That doesn't make sense. And then trying to explain to them how protests work. Right. Yeah, there's oh. racial injustice. And there's a pandemic and there's today's thing. Yeah, but, you know, I think that like it, it, that some of these things definitely intersect with today's thing. Yeah. yeah. What is today's thing then? So I, I feel like I'm being redundant by saying that this thing has happened because I feel like everyone knows this thing has happened um, because we all are <laughs> online because we have nothing, literally like nothing better to do. But uh, so there, there was a bit of um, drama, drama this week. Um, if you check the blog, we kind of summarize it. Um, and that's www.boxpopcast.com where you can leave us comments and suggest other topics for us. But I guess we should move on from that right now. Um, so social media is a thing and there is a person who is on Twitter all the time and his name is Donald Trump. Um, uh, and And I don't know if you know this, but he tweets a lot of inaccurate stuff (laughs) instead of doing his job. Um, can I also just call for him to resign again? Um, you can can try. Yeah. I mean, I know he's not going to, but he should resign because he doesn't do his job anyway. Instead of doing his job, so on um, Tuesday, oh my God, he tweeted, wait, 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 no, that was only the, that was Tuesday, like of this. I mean, okay, so for our that listeners was only at home, Tuesday, yeah, we don't always tape this show in order. So like a lot of times, we're we're talking about things that you know happen recently for us, and then we know the show's going to come out in two weeks. We're taping this show um, on Friday, two day, you know, and the show will come out on Monday, so a couple of days before you hear it, and. Like in my head, when you said that, you're like, and so on Tuesday, it's like, oh my God, that was Tuesday. That was three days ago. 
I want to point out that this means that like if he actually wanted to act fast on things, he could, but somehow we're doing this. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Tuesday, and here's my dramatic reading of Donald Trump's tweet, which again I emphasize is inaccurate. And anyway, there is no way, all caps parentheses zero with an exclamation point, that mail in ballots will be anything less than substantially fraudulent. Mailboxes will be robbed, ballots will be forged, and even illegally printed out and fraudulently signed. The governor of California is sending ballots to millions of people, anyone, dot, 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 and then second, <laughs> dot, 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 living in the state, no matter who they are, how they got there, will get one. That will be followed up with professionals telling all of these people, many of whom have never even thought of voting before, how and for whom to vote. This will be a rigged election. No way. Exclamation point. Also, heaven forbid that people who haven't thought about voting before vote. It's also, also how California has been running their election for the last couple of decades. Also, like got a point. Also, yeah. also Oregon. I've, yes, I've never, like, I think the last time Oregon had uh, an election where there was it was primarily in-person voting was like when I was in elementary school. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. guess who votes by mail-in ballot? Yeah, he does. Donald Don Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he, he doesn't want people voting by mail-in ballot, uh, probably because he's afraid that if people could actually vote, no one would want him. Because guess who lost the popular vote last election? Um, Me? I mean, I also lost the popular he, vote. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. technically. Um, Donald, Donald Trump. Uh, you know, for someone who really tried to avoid saying his name in my blog post about this, I'm saying it a lot now. Um, so he... He got his tweets tagged by Twitter, not any of other his other inaccuracies, but finally Twitter stamped a label on them said, that said, get the facts about mail-in ballots. And if you click that link, they'll take you to a like page that you know, begins with at the top, Trump makes unsubstantiated claim that mail-in ballots will lead to voter fraud. And Twitter, like safety, talks about their uh, civic integrity policy. So anyway, Donald Trump lost his mind about this. And then claimed Tuesday night, Twitter is now interfering in the 2020 presidential election. This is his tweet. They are saying my statement on mail-in ballots, which will lead to massive corruption and fraud, is incorrect based on fact-checking by fake news CNN and the Amazon Washington Post. Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Twitter is completely stifling free speech, all caps. And I, as president, will not allow it to happen. So we'll get back to what free speech actually is in a minute. But then... He decided to like have an executive order written uh, so that social media companies could no longer stifle his speech um, and talk about what that executive order like means. And I get specifics later on the show. But uh, yeah, so now there's like this fight between Donald Trump and Twitter um, <laughs> and, and slash the world because um, like Jack Dorsey responded um We'll get, on we'll, we'll hold, on, hold on, hold on for the details, because yeah. because yeah. so weird thing about this show, you know, we always when you know on a on a nice fun show, we talk about movies or you know video games or comic books, funny books, fun topics. But the show's supposed to be about pop culture. This is culture that sadly is popular right now, so it's really within our purview. It's a serious topic, but it's not a literary thing. We're literary people, so we had to we had to go out and search and, far and wide to find a legal expert for this one. So you should introduce you know our official our our legal correspondent that we somehow found. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> sitting next to me on my couch, finally excited to be on the show is attorney Josh Stroud. 
everyone. Yeah. Wow, what a get. <laughs> hey, Josh, welcome, welcome back. Good to be back. And this time uh, he's not actually doing it as a favor when I beg him. So, yeah, so, no, this is, is this like, so, a, is this the first time that you, you were like, I want to do the show as opposed to you being forced into it? <laughs> I'm always happy to be here, but this one I actually have some, some actual knowledge. It's relevant to the. Now, now that's a little unfair so to you. How many hours of that Empire game have you played? Oh, that's right. A while. Yeah, it's been, it's been a minute. Yeah. yeah. I've moved on. So I guess my like sort of like knee jerk like re- response and like first question is just like does Trump actually have the authority to regulate a private company like this? I mean Twitter, you know, Twitter isn't an arm of the federal government and obviously like private companies are regulated despite the fact that conservatives generally speaking don't like that. Um but like where what's the precedent for something like this? So first I have to say I'm, I'm a licensed attorney in the state of North Carolina. Nothing I say on this podcast constitutes legal advice. That said, I'm, I'm happy to talk about some of the legal issues with our viewers. Viewers. For, for our viewers. Viewers. Listeners. <laughs> yes. They're, Thank you. They're, they're always watching. <laughs> uh, Hannah's, Hannah's viewing me right now, turning red. So anyway. <laughs> Hopefully socially distanced. <laughs> They're we're in the sharing, same. We're, we're sharing yeah. the microphone. Yeah, they're they're in the same pod. They're they're fine. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so so there is some precedent for the president regulating private companies. The all uh, heard of the War Powers Act. The president is sometimes empowered to regulate national industry. There's been there's been some talk of this uh, in the last few months with with coronavirus, and, and the president has made claims that he's a wartime president and has been attempting to order companies to build regulators. Uh, mm-hmm. Federal government has moved money around to uh, purchase. I mean, ventilators move money around to purchase ventilators to encourage uh, private businesses to manufacture them. Defense Production Act, yeah, right. Defense, that's the Defense Production. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And so there is there is some precedent, but it's usually in a very very specific context related to national defense. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that this. Just just regulating a private company, social media company at this juncture without more like really, I'm not personally aware of of, uh, precedent for that. Well, I I think like Mm -hmm. this is not an answer to Katya's question, but I think like it might be helpful to explain his reasoning such that it is um, if you haven't. Other than being. Other than that, he's a crybaby because mostly his reasoning is that he's he's you know when yes, he's, is his fr- he's main he, yeah. yes I mean like I think if you look up white fragility in the dictionary <laughs> that is Trump or like masculine fragility I mean like come on he, yeah he like he you know he won't uh, there have been articles about this and like he won't wear a mask um but he and like a lot of other conservatives have claimed and this is me quoting one of his tweets from Wednesday because I went and actually like researched this episode uh, by reading Trump's feed, among other things. But man, that was really difficult. Um, <laughs> so anyway, quote. Feed is, is a trip, so I my sympathies. Yeah, quote. Republicans feel that social media platforms totally silence conservative voices. We will strongly regulate or close them down before we can ever allow this to happen. We saw what they attempted to do and failed in 2016. We can't let a more sophisticated version of that dot, 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 dot happen again. Just like we can't let large-scale mail-in ballots take root in our country. It would be a free-for-all on theft of forgery and theft of ballots. Whoever cheated the most would win. Likewise, social media, clean up your act now, all caps, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. 
Um, but like, I like I've I seen. To, I wanted to come up with the pause for a moment and just just point out that you know we actually do have. I, I know for a fact we actually do have Republican listeners, and I want to make it make it clear when Trump says Republicans and we, he means him. That is not a policy of the Republican Party. Um, most politicians love Twitter, and in fact, Donald Trump loves Twitter. <laughs> like, well, like the we will regulate that, as you said, as Katya said, that's not really. We really want to regulate, you know, private business, not really the Republican way of doing things. Um, I mean, this isn't even like a normal way of I mean, no. nothing Trump does is like a normal way of doing politics. But like, compl- like the idea of a president complaining about a media platform. I mean, it's been done before, like Nixon complaining about newspapers, but it's pretty rare. Mm hmm. Well, all, all politicians complain when people say bad things about them. And on, well, I don't care which side you're on. Obama complained when people, he didn't like it. He just said, well, but, you know, it's America. I guess you, you didn't like something I did. You know, I'm sorry. I, I like this tan suit. You know, like that well, was, <laughs> let, me, let me just say that Trump is not alone in this uh, right. because, uh, like, I, I hate to do it. I hate myself for doing it. But here we are. Ted Cruz. Yes. Uh, tweeted today. Um, he he retweeted Gerardo Rivera saying, "If Twitter is going to fact check Donald Trump, I must assume the platform will also be facting Joe Biden." And Ted Cruz said, "Of course not. They are biased and engaged in one side censorship. To be clear, Twitter shouldn't be fact checking either Biden or Trump. Most politicians, parentheses sadly, lie, and often one hundred percent of the other side thinks they're lying. The local process and free speech work this out. So he's making an argument that uh, like the true like good content will rise to the top, and we all know." because we live in the age of social media that's absolutely not true also right. ted cruz has like decided that he wants like the attorney general to like um call for a criminal investigation into twitter yes um now, so remember, anyway. this is ted, ted cruz who did not say this when i mean ted cruz forgets that in fact almost exactly four years ago as we record this a little over uh donald trump tweeted that ted cruz's father killed kennedy <laughs> and ted was not happy about that but, but that's where, that's where we were so now he's defending it defending this ted did not like donald trump's twitter four years ago right so basically like we we just i guess like a question that i don't think anyone can answer is like do like media platforms actually fact check conservatives more than they do leftists or liberals and do they delete content more often from conservatives than they do liberals i don't know i i I know i know a little bit it's hard to it's hard to do so that's like um that is a quantitative study that's hard to do what like there there have but there have been people I i should have dug one up because i didn't know you were going to ask that there the second part of your question is probably true which is to say that um social media well actually let me be specific and not use twitter because twitter is not very good about doing this facebook which is we'll get into other problems facebook tends to mark fake news on conservative leaning things more often than on liberal leaning things um which is not to say they fact check them more it's that they get marked more probably because they're not great about marking marking fake news in general but the ones that they mark tend to be more egregious and tend to be um mostly the ones that the things that usually get marked are things about that are either heavily racist um 
or right now, lately, they're very much about COVID. So they will mark a lot of people who are COVID deniers. That's something Facebook's, but we, we talked about that a little bit on the episode that Hannah referenced on the News by Meme episode. So news memes that tend to lean right tend to get marked more, which is not to say that the other ones aren't getting marked or that they're not being checked. It's just that that's what trips the button. So, and, and Mark Zuckerberg and even said. Said. Yeah. Yeah, God, Zuckerberg said. And also, when something's when something's been flagged on Facebook or like Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, yes, like that doesn't necessarily mean it gets removed. It basically means it goes into a holding pond for either mm-hmm. out, like either a bot reviews it, um, or it gets flagged for human review. Yeah, and so yeah. like, and so a lot of this, like my my experience, um, is a lot more with Instagram and like Instagram in particular because it makes it pretty easy to flag things as a user. Um, it really depends on the social circles. Basically it's going on the platform. Like we've talked right. on the knitting episode before and like how uh, flagging, like this kind of flagging shows up in that, in that mm-hmm. arena. Um, but yeah, as Matt says, it's really hard to like actually know mm-hmm. for sure oh, well, because just... these are private companies. They're not required to, to share their statistics. Cause the counter example of the thing that, you know, the thing that gets flagged a lot for, you know, and again, what counts as liberal, what counts as conservative, because they're not always necessarily political. One thing that gets flagged a lot that tends to be more claimed by the liberal side are, um, are sexual violations for showing of nipples for uh, female nipples um, obviously for sex workers but also for things like breastfeeding and those tend to be more liberal people and they tend to get hit hit more not necessarily always it's not a unilateral like I I don't want to make a you know a 100% statement and be like there are no strippers who are who are who are um, Republican or there are no mothers who are Republican who like breastfeeding. Not true. Breastfeeding pics on Instagram have had a serious problem and it's a, it's a, you know, there's a, there's a big war about it. So it, it is, it is an issue. Um, and so it does go both ways, but if you're talking about things that we commonly consider political, and I mean, we like most people not cause you know, on this show, we always say everything's political, but like things like, um, the president says, or the senator says, um, or Breitbart says, those tend to be more right wing when they get flagged, and as opposed to you know boobies, you know, which gets flagged a lot on the left. Yeah, yeah, we are talking primarily about like explicitly political speech yeah. here. Right. I will. Um, yeah, I will other, say that, other things is kind of a different discussion for a different episode. Yeah, I, will, I will say that Zuckerberg, like in an extended interview where he like talked about the you know quote going on saying that he doesn't think that facebook or even other like social media companies should be like arbiters of truth deciding what's true and what's false which we can talk about that in a second he gave an example of like a line um and it's honestly like the not that much different than like what twitter considers a line too based on his examples he gave two examples that were prone in my mind one he facebook recently like uh, took some actions against the Brazilian president because he was uh, hyping up treatments for COVID that weren't really treatments and saying that scientists mm-hmm. had proven them. And two, he said that like later on in the election, if people like did said things that like interfered with people's like ability to vote, like say lying about how you can vote or like when you can vote, they would absolutely take that down. And the reason why, if we recall, Twitter originally flagged Donald Trump's tweet is because he was lying about voting and engaging in voter suppression tactics. And I think that's really important to acknowledge. But also, I think we should remember that Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg are not heroes. They haven't done much good in four years plus um, with Donald Trump. 
Well, Zuck's taking a lot of a lot of heat right now because he's not, you know, he like Zucker and you posted the interview on the blog. Um, what he said is, you know, the most wishy washy, <laughs> you know, he was he's trying to play both sides. And and I get it. Dorsey um, for I guess we should make it clear just in case anybody doesn't know. Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of, of Facebook. Jack Dorsey is CEO of, of Twitter. Um, Dorsey. Uh, yes, they did flag Trump's tweets. They didn't remove them. They didn't block the, block him. They flagged them as potentially misleading information, which they were. They were flat out misleading. And they helpfully went to a page to explain the right thing. And that pissed them off. That said, what I want to make very clear to people on the day that he posted that, yes, he posted misleading information about how voter, how voter mail-in ballots work. However, he also spent much of the day. Oh, my God. This was only Tuesday. He spent much of Tuesday repeatedly, repeatedly accusing a television news host of cold blooded murder. Those tweets are fine. Like he literally went out of his way to push a conspiracy theory that, that, that Scarborough, if you don't know him, he's a he hosts a political news show on MSNBC. MSNBC yeah, Morning Joe's on MSNBC, I believe. Um, Trump doesn't like him. Trump. Um, there's this eight, this this years old conspiracy theory. One of his one of his people was killed, and so there's this conspiracy theory that that you know Joe was behind it. Scarborough was behind it. So Trump basically spent the entire day accusing Scarborough of being a murderer, both on Twitter and in front of reporters saying, yeah, we need to stick the Justice Department on him. I'm having this investigated, blah, 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 because he doesn't like the guy. Um, if anyone else did that, they would have been blocked. And they like, I've been in Facebook jail. If you piss off too many people, you go into Facebook jail for 24 hours or a month or whatever. Um, he's not or get kicked off the platform. Yeah. Or get, yeah. Well, but I mean, you would have at least been, you would have at least been blocked for, um, for a day or two. Cause they do that. Like he doesn't get punished and you cannot do that. You cannot libel somebody on Twitter, Twitter, you know, but they left it, you know, they left it cause they don't want to deal with pissing off the president because they don't want, you know, they don't want to face his ire cause he's a little crybaby. Um, and so they left that they only took a stance against his clearly patently false claims of, of, uh, of, um, voter of how voter fraud would come from mail-in voting. Um, they've, it, they've, they've marked him exactly three times in the, all the time he's been there, including before he was president, those two, which were in the same day and, uh, very early this morning, which I'm sure we'll get to, he was marked a third time, um, for inciting violence. Um, and like he's done way more than that. So frankly, he's getting off way easier than you or I or anybody else would because he's president of the United States or was just a rich, famous dude before that. And I, I, I want to like since we're he's why like so far in this conversation, he's talked about the suppression of free speech and being censored like censorship. So like. Uh, Josh, are, is Twitter suppressing Donald Trump's free speech and censoring him? And like, what do those terms mean? Hey Josh, anyway? what's free speech? Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Just, just briefly. <laughs> you know, Relevant to bar exam. Great. Great. Just in time. All right. So pull out our pocket constitutions. Flip, <laughs> flip to the back. First, First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting. This is the abridged version. Do you actually have a pocket constitution out right now? I, I don't have it with me. I was sworn in as a lawyer with a pocket on a pocket constitution. I held it for him. It was. Yeah. So he was the only one not holding the Bible. Should we be saying that? I don't know. <laughs> it, it felt more appropriate, honestly. 
I mean, um, I can see that, that. That makes sense. Anyway, First Amendment. All, all read this. Congress shall make no law respecting freedom of freedom of religion, blah, blah blah, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and petition the government for a redress of grievances. So, first of all, that says Congress shall make no law. Make no law, right? It does nothing about private persons, private businesses. This, this all the First Amendment does is prevent the government from restricting free, free speech. It's not even very specific, um, and so we have to turn to case law, other statutes to see what exactly this mean. What 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 does this amendment mean? Uh, just just for reference, I was curious. I looked it up this afternoon. I, I pulled up the North Carolina state constitution and the New York state constitution. They also have freedom of speech amendments protections. They're actually somewhat more robust than the federal the first constitutional amendment. Um, they're a little bit more recent. North New York's includes the definition of libel, uh, protecting people from libel, right to jury trial, all that, which the, the, the Constitution does not. And anyway, so that's that's what those are various constitutions. Looking at case law, the, the Supreme Court has heard a number of First Amendment cases over the centuries. Oh yeah, I guess it's been centuries, huh? And most mostly in the twentieth century, there wasn't much in the nineteenth. Uh, I think some of the justices individually heard some cases about the Alien and Sedition Acts back in the John Adams administration. But in in the twentieth century, like we, the court has held that freedom of speech includes the right to not speak or not even salute or not salute a flag. It's both. Freedom of speech is both words and actions. Uh, so you can wear a black armband to protest war. You can you, you can use offensive words or phrases to convey political messages. So like we can swear on this podcast. Right. Uh, you can contribute money under certain circumstances to political campaigns. Uh, it's actually a case from the 70s, Buckley v. Valero. That's, that's not Citizens United. You can advertise commercial products and professional services with some restrictions. And you can you can burn a flag. These are all you can do all of these things. And the government cannot, generally speaking, restrict you from doing so. Um, however, as as with any as with any right, the government, the, the courts have ruled and have given us some some carve outs and some some uh, some limitations on the rights. Uh, so you can't yell fire in a crowd theater. Mm-hmm. Right. That was for, for public for, for generally for public policy reasons. The court restricts certain types of speech. Uh, you can't you can't incite actions that would harm others, such as shouting fire in a crowded theater. Um, you can't slander, slander laws don't violate free speech, right? Because you still have free speech, but slandering somebody is a different thing. Right. That would be that's not a criminal offense. The, the government can't pass a law criminalizing that. But you could be sued in civil court right. by the by the uh, private individual or that you slandered. And it's just two private parties having a dispute. And the remedy would, that would be money damages, perhaps an apology. Well, but my, point, the, my point being there that if somebody if I sue somebody for slander and when I have not violated their First Amendment rights by suing them for slander because I am not the government. And and me doing that does not take away their ability to say it. It just means that it's a different issue. And I think exactly. that's important right. for exactly it's, this it just basically Twitter means reason. that there are consequences. Yeah, you haven't mm-hmm. com- you haven't committed uh, you haven't violated the free speech right. You have committed a tort or injury against the person by saying slanderous, libelous things about them, and they can they're free to sue you for, for reputational da- the reputational damage that you have suffered. The remedy for that is money or an apology, whatever the court decides is appropriate. Okay, got it. So basically, the claim he's making that this that Twitter is violating his freedom of speech or anyone else's freedom of speech at least doesn't fly under like under the, like the, the amendment. Is that 
fair to say. Every first year law student taking constitutional law is just chuckling over this. So like, say I own a newspaper. If you mm-hmm. sent me an article and I didn't want to print it, I wouldn't be violating your free speech. Right. No. So and I should same. also point out, and they did print it. Like, so, so that's, a, yeah. and this is, this is where, this is where it's just me sort of being like, like, I'm not a lawyer at all. Josh is not speaking as a lawyer, but he is one. So he knows the law better than I do. I'm just like, you know, uh, kind of a legal fan. But my understanding of the law is a news, exactly what Hannah just said, a newspaper, a publishing company. It is not a violation of freedom of speech for me to run, you know, the Maverick publishing company. And then you send me a book and I'm like, this book kind of sucks. We're not publishing it. I don't have to. It's my publishing company. You're allowed to publish it. I'm I'm just not required to help you. So Twitter and Facebook and all the other social media um, things. And this is basically what the CDA says. They all sort of they sort of have taken the position that we are a publishing platform, not a company. We're just providing a way for you to self-publish. They therefore, my understanding is that they did not stifle his free speech. Even if they decided they weren't publishing it, they wouldn't have been stifling his free speech, but they did publish it. All they did was also decide to publish next to it. Um, another free speech thing that says, yeah, that guy up there is wrong. And nothing says that I can't disagree with you. If I own my own, the company that you're publishing under, like they didn't do anything differently than when I go and I yell at, I, cause I yell at him all the time and say, you're an idiot. I tweet back at him constantly, you know, <laughs> and the president is wrong here. So that's what they did. They just marked his tweets and they have, you know, better visibility than I did. So since we're on this, um, I'm going to read an excerpt from like the very beginning of the actual executive order uh, that Trump signed on Thursday, because it begins with um, section one policy. Free speech is the bedrock of American democracy. Our founding fathers protected the sacred right with the First Amendment to the Constitution, the freedom to express and debate ideas, the foundation for all of our rights as a free people. Uh, In a country that has long cherished the freedom of expression, we cannot allow a limited number of online platforms to handpick the speech that Americans may access and convey on the Internet. This practice is fundamentally un-American and anti-democratic. When large, powerful social media companies censor opinions with which they disagree, they exercise a dangerous power. They cease functioning as passive bulletin boards and ought to be viewed and treated as content creators. The growth of online platforms in recent years raises important questions about applying the ideals of the First Amendment to modern communications technology. Today, many Americans follow the news, stay in touch with friends and family, and share their views on current events through social media and other online platforms. As a result, these platforms function in many ways as a 21st century equivalent of the public square. And there's really a lot to unpack (laughs) in that. But uh, I, you know, I, I think that like freedom of speech and like the idea of like a public forum are like connected, um, specifically um, in some like case law that I remember reading back in the day. Um, But, you know, like, you know, people like are uh, sometimes are on public property and you can't stifle protests, but like, yeah, by public square, do they mean like, it's like, they don't mean it's like actually like publicly owned. Like Twitter's not publicly owned. Like it's not a public forum. Right, Josh? Like it's not. I mean, it's a private company. Right. But like the thing that stuck out to me is the claim that, these online platforms act as a public square. And I know that like there's like public forums like attached to free speech whenever it comes to like case law on occasion. But 
I don't necessarily think that's what's being talked about here, Josh. So this is the public forum is a word like people like to throw around. But at law, uh, the big takeaway is that generally publicly owned places, public parks, sidewalks, municipal theaters, meeting rooms at universities, uh, courthouses, uh, the legislative building, airport, like a public airport terminal, uh, or a polling place, it, it tends to be like a publicly owned space that the government either designates as a public forum or it pretty much is a free-for-all speech, or it's a sometimes a limited public forum or a non-public forum that where the government is allowed to use certain certain narrowly tailored, reasonable content-neutral restrictions. Not time and place restrictions, like you can have speech between the hour, between sunup and sundown. Uh, you can't use a microphone or a amplification for sound pollution issues. Uh, like in this legislative building, maybe? Right. These, they're, they're, these are content neutral. They can't, the government can't regulate the content of your speech. It can mm-hmm. regulate how you, the methods by which you speak. Might, but, might, yeah, but, the, but, 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 the ta- but the takeaway from all this is that these are typically publicly owned places, not a private business, not a newspaper or one of a social media platform. So most of this now just does not apply. So whenever they say public square, what they probably mean is something like what Jürgen Habermas, the German philosopher, and thus I can say a word, uh, talks about when he talks about like the public sphere, like the idea that people gather and share ideas through both like conversation or like print culture. Um, actually, it's funny because in that book, he begins in the 18th century. and He's like, oh, wasn't life great when like men sat around in coffee houses? And then he like goes on this rant about mass media and how it ruins everything. Uh, anyway, that's my interpretation of the book. Um, and now now there's another grumpy old man that we're talking about. Um, but actually, we than like Habermas's talk about the public sphere. He's been critiqued a lot for like focusing on the bourgeois public sphere. And like the, you know, 18th century, like who is involved in coffee houses generally tended to be white dudes. So like people like Nancy Frazier, and I can link to this, like have actually been like, well, that's not the full story of like how people engage in like public forums, Um, not in the, you know, publicly owned sense of the word. Um, So that's probably what they're talking about when they say public square, because but we don't know because who wants into the mind of Trump's administration? (laughs) um so they they're using freedom of speech as kind of the like justification for this but like what what is like the big thing josh like like actual like actual order like legally speaking what are they trying to do so just from a legal perspective the big the big takeaway from this six page order is that the trump administration really really wants to amend the communication decency act 1996 so this was an act that was passed, passed in the 90s. And just the name is a bit of a hint. It was designed to sort of a whole host of anti-free speech provisions, trying to clean up the Internet and other communication spaces. And just kind of by coincidence, from what I've read, some some managed to get in this provision, Section 230. Mm-hmm. And it'll, it, it has a number of, of free speech protections uh, the text of the I have it pulled up here. The text of the of section two thirty. There's three sections. There's there's a, fi- there's a list of findings that Congress you know notes that the internet is developing. It's widely popular and and, and used all over the world, and, it's, uh, and Americans are increasingly relying on it. There's a second section, a B, uh, B policy, which the Trump administration has largely quoted in, in the uh, language of the 
executive order. Uh, you know, it's the policy of the United States to promote the continued development of the internet, et cetera, and to uh, enforce, to ensure vigorous enforcement of federal criminal laws, to deter and punish trafficking of obscenity, stalking, harassment by means of computer, that sort of thing, just a list of public policies. And then finally, the part that everyone is being well up about is the section C, sorry, subsection C, the protection for good Samaritan blocking and screening of offensive material. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the first section, Subsection C1 says, no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. What that means, in other words, is that online sites, companies, intermediaries that host or republish speech are protected against a range of laws that might otherwise be used to hold them legally responsible for what others say or do. Uh, so this this protects... So basically, if I, if I post something inflammatory on, twi- on Twitter... Twitter is mm-hmm. not liable for that. I would be. Yes, correct. To the extent that you're liable at all. Yes. Twitter, Twitter sure. is explicitly not liable for it, though. It's my, my reading of Section 230 of CDA. That, that is how I read it. But I, I, Mav, you have more experience with this. I've, I've just started looking into this in the last couple of days. OK, so so I remember when this went down, like I remember in 1996 when this happened. And and here's the OK, so I just have to gear myself up to say this. I don't entirely disagree with Trump. He's not 100 percent wrong here. It feels gross to say that. Now, he's not right either because he doesn't really understand what he's saying because he clearly didn't write the executive order. So he doesn't know what it means. He what he means is he means they should be, they, you know, somebody somebody tell them no 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 for 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 being mean to me that's what he really means but my understanding of what the cda or of what 230 of the cda usually i just um refer to just the cda because i don't care about most of it but that section my understanding is what they are saying is that if i say something incendiary or just provocative on a social media platform or or on on the internet because this was it's 1996. It largely predates social media, what we call social media today. There was no Facebook. There's no Twitter back then. Um, what it means, that, uh, what it originally was, is if I go on 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 whatever my personal web page is that is hosted somewhere, GeoCities probably back then, then GeoCities is not responsible if I they're not responsible if I say something horrible and slanderous. They're not responsible if I'm trafficking in kitty porn. You know, they just they they were they were just providing, you know, they were they were taking the stance essentially that we are, you know, we're just the library. We're just the bookstore. We don't really know what's in the publication. And given how they actually work, that's not you know, that's not unfair. It's not an unfair stance to take. So I don't disagree with that. However, the way he's using it is kind of bullshit. Well, okay, like what is what is the way he's using it? The executive order. Okay, his theory, and again, this is just—it's kind of cumbersome. My understanding of what he's asking for is that the so the way the CDA works is again, Twitter is not responsible if and 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 by the way, I think this is fair. If somebody tweets a bunch of kitty porn, you shouldn't be able to to rush Jack Dorsey. Now, Jack Dorsey should do everything he can to get rid of it, but he can't know all three billion users on Twitter. You know, if if he doesn't see it, you know, there's nothing he can do. So my understanding is that what the CDA says is if somebody does that, you can't go after Dorsey um, because he didn't do it. You go after the person who committed the crime. And Trump's argument is if you are regulating me, me personally, me, Donald Trump, 
then what you're saying is you are now accepting responsibility for regulating your platform because you're regulating me. So you should now have to go regulate everybody. And his gamble is that nobody wants to regulate everybody. They can't. They can't go after, you know, he doesn't really he's not really thinking about kitty porn. And again, that's what it's there for. The reason I'm not just saying that on accident. That law is for, you know, they were they were worried about things like, you know, can I be arrested as a as a website owner for someone doing something clearly wrong? And Matt, he's not worried about I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to yeah. jump in. There is an entire subsection C5 yeah. on sex traffic. So you are right. 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 And so he but his theory is, well, if you're going to regulate me, then you have to be able to regulate everybody and you're not going to regulate everybody. So you can't regulate me. That's you, the argument that he's making. Do you agree with that interpretation, Josh? That is, that is generally I, I agree with that. It's actually subsection E5, not C. OK, but yes. It, and I, you know, Which, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't he, disagree that like maybe we probably should be fact checking more politicians, uh, you know, so. To the extent that he's what he's really hoping for is he's hoping if you're going to fact check me, you better fact check Joe Biden, too. And I'm OK with fact checking Joe Biden. Go for it. You know, but like he's is he really making the argument that they that his argument is, well, they obviously can't fact check all three billion users, so they shouldn't fact check me, Donald Trump, president of the United States of America. Which is interesting. The awkward thing about that is also like for, for public figures in particular, we don't treat their. Uh, particularly their protections against libel, but also their speech, the same as we, we, we treat the speech of a private citizen. Yes. Like, so like the idea, I mean, so, so actually it seems entirely plausible to me that for Twitter to say like, okay, to comply with this executive order, we will fact check all of the politicians or at least like all, maybe all of the American politicians, whatever on our platform. Like, I would generally be super cool with that. Actually, I think that would be great. The CDA only—we should point out the CDA only if only um, they they only would be responsible for fact-checking Americans because the CDA has no legislation, has no power over other countries. So um, he can't stop. I don't know the Prime Minister of Australia from lying. Right, exactly. Trump can't. So, but yeah, I mean, and I think that would be in keeping with the fact that, like like public citizens, particularly politicians, like the laws, not that the laws don't, I mean, sometimes the laws don't apply to them, which <laughs> in practice, is a different yeah. thing. But like, yeah, in, like in practice, like the laws often, at the very least, apply differently, especially when we're talking about like their behavior in public spaces. So there actually, this, the section immediately after the one I read is uh, section, I read section C1, and there's section C2 about civil liability. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of a good faith Protection, it says that uh, any action voluntarily taken in good faith to restrict access or availability of material by the provider or users or user considers to be obscene, lewd, levacious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable, whether or not such material is constitutionally protected or any action taken or innate to enable or make available to ISPs, uh, ISPs or other technical means to restrict access to material described above. Uh, so essentially, companies like Facebook and Twitter, if they act in good faith to remove objectionable content, cannot be held civilly liable. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just, I've seen some legal commentators talking about the the effect of this rule, maybe that they just, the Twitter just removes Trump from the, from Twitter. If they really want to enforce, if if they want to police it, they will, he is, he is promoting violence and, and other obscene material and they can just remove him from the platform and they'll be covered Mm -hmm. by the good faith provision. (laughs) Yeah, because he well he violates stated terms of service all the time as 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 do other politicians as well. It's kind of weird because there, and and that's been a thing for a while. There's nothing 
there's nothing that that forces Twitter to allow anybody to have an account. Twitter remove people removes people all the time. You know, they they tend to not remove people with big um with big platforms who are very popular. Um, and that's out of self interest. Yeah, uh, well, I think it was was it Glenn Buck they removed um, not too long ago. Um, and that was a big deal. And it's mostly just because they're you know. It, it, it's not altruistic. They're just afraid of you being being mean to them somewhere else. And Trump's really powerful. He's president of the United States of America, like removing him, making the decision to remove him for a violation of their bullying clause, which he is in clear violation of quite frequently. You know, like, again, he literally called a man a murderer on their platform with no evidence repeatedly on Tuesday. And if I do that, I'm gone. So they could remove him um, and he would just come up with some other executive order. Like, I don't think this this one that he made does what he thinks it does. I think it does what Stephen Miller wants it to do, but I don't think it does what Trump thinks it does. I don't. Uh, well, uh, by the way, uh, Alex Jones and Infowars were banned from Twitter. Oh, that's uh, it was. Thank you. Yes. Not Buck. Yeah. Right. That's it. Uh, but like, OK, Josh, so like what power does an executive order even have for those of us who don't keep up with politics? Not me, just, you know, people. <laughs> OK, well, so the president is a constitutional officer under Article two of the Constitution vests the executive power of the United States and the president. Uh, and he's empowered to you know, uphold, make sure the laws are faithfully executed and uh, can can and delegate responsibilities to his cabinet members, et cetera. And from from these various sources and clauses in the Constitution, we have determined that the president can issue directives on his own authority, which we call executive orders. These have to comply with the Constitution and other and the statute in the United States statutes and case law. Uh, but he he has some authority to delegate. Uh, generally, what happens? Congress will pass a Congress will pass a law. It's fairly general because it has to anticipate any number of, of possible scenario, real world scenarios that the law could affect. Like the Communications Decency Act? Right. It's fairly decent, uh, fairly, fairly broad. And then the president or, or Congress will direct the relevant federal agency to engage in administrative rulemaking. Co- Congress delegates a portion of its rulemaking, its legislative power with strict guidelines to an agency. The agency is allowed to set rules. You see this all the time. The Federal Communications Commission has, you know, proposed rulemaking. They'll have a notice and comment period. They'll, they'll issue some rules. The, the EPA does this all the time for environmental regulations. Uh, just all the different agencies engage in this. The president what appears with this this current executive order. He The big chunk of it is that he's ordering the FCC to look into uh, Section 230, the Communications Decency Act, and to reinterpret some of the language in the act, like defining good faith and limiting some of these fairly broad interpretations. Uh, essentially, essentially, these executive orders set the policy, the law is what it is, what it is, but the policy, the way we interpret what the law means can shift a little bit depending on the president and the executive branch's interpretation of the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and executive orders can be, they're not binding. They can be overturned by the next president. We've, we've seen uh, President Obama pass a number of executive orders that, that Trump been overturned. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is his purview, right? Like it's, right. they're it's, not it's, law. They're not, that's one of the differences between them and laws is that they are conducive to the current executive 
who you know, until such time as a as a current executive executive means president um, has overturned them. So the a president can executive order overturn his own his own orders, which they never do, or the next president can or two presidents down the line can or three down the line. So a lot of of uh, the ACA was based on executive orders, which is why Trump was able to pick it apart. Um, if I remember correctly, don't ask, don't tell was an executive order of, of Clinton's that stood for a while until somebody decides to t- overturn it. That's like that's standard practice, right? Yes. So, so Mike, uh, I have a clarifying question about this executive order. So you're, you're saying that the executive order is asking federal agencies to reinterpret 230. Yes. I, as, I've, as you know, I read the executive order yesterday and he, that, that is a large portion in the middle. Right. But Donald Trump tweeted today, Friday, revoke 230. So he doesn't actually know what his own executive order is saying? No. No. Well, of course <laughs> not. He does that a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. So, like, he actually doesn't want to revoke 230. He wants the way 230 is interpreted to be changed in the executive order, not well, he, his own mind. Maybe. Um, I, I just looked at it. There's a, there's a later portion in the executive order where he, whether the president requests that the attorney general begin to draft proposed legislation to submit to Congress. So he's, he's intending, or whoever wrote the thing, is intending... <laughs> That you know, the White House Counsel is intending that Congress eventually take this up, pass some new laws to perhaps replace or amend Section 230, and at the same time, the administration will kind of move the needle on its interpretation of 230 as it stands today. They're they're interpreting it until Congress does something about it. Okay, so like he actually did say uh, earlier this morning, besides revoke 230, amidst all the other things, um, he did say. Quote, Twitter is doing nothing about all the lies and propaganda being put out by China or the radical left Democrat Party. They have targeted Republicans, conservatives and the president of the United States. Section 230 should be revoked by Congress. Until then, it will be regulated. So I guess at least he is sort of consistent as much as he has (laughs) ever been. Um, But so he so I've seen like um, and we'll link to like all these like articles and things we're drawing on in the show notes. I've seen like a lot of people ask legal experts, like actually like in Internet who like say the Internet and free speech, like what this actually does. And most of them are like, it's mostly just political theater. Would yeah. you do that? <laughs> yeah, you. I, I generally think so. I've, the beginning, the first third of it certainly is. Um, it's just it's, <laughs> it's very like two page. It's, it's two pages before there's like an actual recommendation. It's a weird executive order. It's very, very. I, I would I would say it's very partisan. Once it gets into the legalese, it's a little more neutral. It just uh-huh. it, 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 it turns on it's his it's, it's the administration's interpretation of various laws, and it's it's fairly it's not a boilerplate. I mean, part of it's just quoting two thirty. Uh, so yesterday, Trump like you know signed the order. I guess it'll be like th- Thursday for those of you who aren't living in today. Um, uh, so he, he like, he spoke after he signed the executive order and he said he would shut down Twitter if his lawyers found a way to do it, but there were hurdles quote, I would have to go through a legal process. He said, according to a white house pool report, um, linked in the show notes. And because he's like, because he's talking about how he wants to shut down Twitter. I found out about this because, um, activist Bree Newsom Bass retweeted it and said, FYI, there may be an effort to cut off social media or to disrupt people's ability to communicate through these platforms if the fear of open revolt becomes too great enough. Uh, just a reminder, be careful what's posted on here and have alternate ways to communicate. Because, you know, a lot of activists use Twitter and other forms of social media to help organize, um, mm-hmm. uh, especially like I've seen that uh, 
this current week, um, you know, um, lots of like links to how you can help out um, with on the ground in Minneapolis and other protests going around, which I think we can also link to in the show notes um, if you're interested. But, um, but uh, I, you know, like, should we be worried that President Trump can shut down Twitter, Josh? We'll try. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, government is a slow process for, yeah. everyone's, for everyone's benefit. So, like, we we shouldn't necessarily be that worried about, like, how this will affect us very quickly. I just, I mean, not a legal point of view, just from, you know, from from a, a student of pop, pop culture, from a cultural theorist point of view, and just someone who very, very closely observes Donald Trump. I, for other reasons, just because of his his craziness from today. Again, for people who are not listening on the day that we are recording this, today is also the day that Donald Trump got fact checked again, or not exactly fact checked. This morning, very, very early in the morning, uh, Donald Trump, somehow the president of the United States of America, um, tweeted that if people were we were having riots in our country right now in Minneapolis over and uh, over a, um, a, a race issue, which was a black man was killed in a police arrest and people are not happy about it. Um, and there are some riots going on. We've done social activism shows before. You can probably guess how we all feel about it. Um, that said, with the with the right, and I I will be fair. I'll say there's protesting. There is also some rioting. There's some some definite rioting going on. And Trump, in his infinite wisdom, decided to tweet looters. Um, um, uh, do, you, do you want me to do you want me to tweet uh, read it because it's right in front of me? If you, if you want to read it, if you want to say it outside, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> These thugs are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. George Floyd is the name of the man who died. Um, And I won't let that happen. Just spoke to Governor Tim Walls and told him that the military is with him all the way. Any difficulty and we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And also I like we can link to the New York Times article that provides the context for this. But I was just going to say that is a reference and this is where it gets really, really complicated. That is a reference to uh, Walter Headley, um, who was a Southern segre- segregationist. He believed in in segregation. You know, races should be kept separate. And he said that in 1967, when he was advocating the use of deadly force against protesters um, during the civil rights era, um, what he meant and make no mistake about this, what Headley meant was the second you see anybody steal anything, shoot them. He was looking for an excuse. Trump said this. Um, it is a dog whistle for, you know, Nazis, for lack of a better for lack of a better term. And he and Twitter, who has I don't necessarily agree with all of Twitter's policies, but they do have pretty staunch um, anti-bullying policies. So they again, they did not publish the tweet. What they did was they put it behind a click through warning that said this is in violation of our standards. Um, it's a glorifying it, it, violence. However, glor- Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible right. and linked to their policy. Yes. Um, and I agree which- with them, by the way. I agree that I agree that and I know people are hate this. I don't want Twitter to ever remove a tweet of Donald Trump's ever, ever, ever. Donald Trump, whether I like it or not, and I do not, is president of the sovereign state of the United States of America. And that means that the that means that the things that he decides to self-publish, it is in the public interest, in my opinion, to keep a public record of it. 
I don't want them to ever to ever take them away because I want to be able to 40 years from now look back on the worst president in the history of not just America, but the fucking planet and say, here's some of the stuff he said. I need that record. So I don't want them to go away. But that's what they did. They they covered it and they said you can click through and you can read this horrific thing he said. Uh Professor Carla Holloway um tweeted um that she agreed with Jack Dorsey's policy. She said display the tweets that come from the office of the president. They are public records. They document and reveal. They make the case for his unconscionable and unconstitutional conduct. Preserve, protect, and make public his record, quote, a fool's name. Yes. I would I would also just add to this. So there is there is the Presidential Records Act of 1978 mm-hmm. that governs the official records of the president and vice president. And the office of the office of the president is legally required to keep records, public records and turn mm-hmm. them over to the, the National Archives. Mm-hmm. I have yes. no faith. I have no faith that the Trump administration is going to preserve his tweets. Uh, so def- they, they don't have. So it's kind of weird. And this is where this is where I'm. Uh, it's it's kind of weird. So they're for past presidents there. Donald Trump has two Twitter accounts that belong to him. Well, right. one one belongs to him. He has real Donald Trump belongs to him. And then there is the POTUS Twitter account that belongs to the office of the president. And for a long time, he was double tweeting from both accounts. He mostly doesn't use POTUS anymore. He uses White House. But POTUS was it was Barack Obama up until this, the moment Trump was inaugurated. And then it became Donald Trump. And POTUS is moved to the National Archives automatically. I mean, presumably somebody, some intern somewhere is just going to turn over the Twitter stream to the archives because, I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. But I I, I want it there regardless, just because <laughs> I just need it there. It's well, such a headache well because I, 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 cause it feels like defending him. And I'm, it's like, I, I promise I'm not I, for bad reasons. Well, like I want, it, is, it is in yeah. the public no, it's, interest it's, that they be like, preserved. Like, yeah. Right, because it's like you, you. If he's gonna, if he's going to basically believe and say awful things, like I want it in writing. Yes, yeah, that's exactly the best thing about Donald Trump is that, like, is that I never have to guess what he's thinking. Whatever horrible things on his mind, he will tell me. I mean, that's that's why I follow him on Twitter. Um, so I he don't said that him on Twitter. I do. I, it's hard. I, I, it's- I don't want to feed his ego because you know the more <laughs> followers he has, the better he feels about yeah. himself. I think. Um, yeah. Well, and that's and that's what I was saying. That's that's where I was going with this. Donald Trump does not want to shut down Twitter. He needs it. He needs it more than he needs air. He needs it more than he needs food. He will die. Donald Trump can't go 10 minutes without tweeting. He's not going to shut down Twitter like it. it, it, it he needs it so badly. So I'm not like I don't think he's I, I think he's whining. He's whining in the same way that, you know, he, he likes to say he'll sue people um, anytime something's not going his way. And a lot of times he doesn't. He probably meant it at the moment he said it, but he has no filter. So I'm not really worried about that happening. I'm worried about the ramifications of the act that he signed because he did it because it made him feel better. But it's got like the stuff that Josh was talking about, the ramifications of picking apart the CDA without knowing what you're doing or under like that's a really big deal because to remove those protections, if this is found to be a legal, you know, viable thing that they can do saying that the that the um, removing Section 230 doesn't mean that people can't fact check. It just means they wouldn't be required to. So it doesn't really do what he wants anyway. What I think he's trying to do is he's trying to say that if you're fact checking me, you're now required to um, be liable for all this other stuff. 
And that's like, if, if you really did revoke the CDA, which is what he thinks he's doing, that doesn't really help him. It just means Twitter can be sued for other people because because he's not really said anything that's suable you know <laughs> like he's not really an offender in the way that he is worried about like it would open them up to lawsuits from other people which is not helping him at all in in any way that i understand it um because from what you were saying before from free speech about how free speech works josh like he's not he's not yelling well the the looters equal shooters one maybe is questionable but like his comments about mail about voter fraud aren't that's not yelling fire in a in a movie theater that's you know he's just wrong and lying but he's not he's not immediate he's not an immediate threat to anybody is he i i i'm not going to speculate on that but yeah. there's, there's definitely there's definitely a distinction to be made yeah so i don't i don't know that this accomplishes anything for him other than just it it was him like he's using the office of the presidency to throw you know to blow off steam which is bad he needs to be fired <laughs> and they tried that it doesn't work like <sighs> He's an idiot is what it comes down to. I mean, he's an I mean, idiot. Sure, and we know yeah. that. I mean, we, we know. I mean, it just. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just. Yeah. Uh, I. We've resolved nothing. I mean, I think that like, I, I hope that Jack Dorsey uh, doubles down and like actually in that interview with Zuckerberg. He talks about, you know, like he, he basically agrees with what we've said that like, you know, we give leeway to like political speech, especially like with public figures, because like, you know, records are important, but also like there are lines and it's time. I think it's really time for us to think about what those lines should be. And like, I mean, it's like debates, right? Like presidential debates. Everybody hates them because <laughs> they're useless uh, yeah, they for a lot of reasons. But like the thing I hate most about them is that you like basically just hand the microphone to like two in like a, you know, presidential debate standoff. You hand the mic to two individuals to just say whatever they want and they're not fact checked on the spot. Um, so they can just like make stuff up. Like there are times when like you can definitely tell like Joe Biden was lying um, in a mm -hmm. debate. Donald Trump, he's always lying in a debate um, uh, unless he's like a main to insulting a woman because let's not forget he's a misogynist and a racist and mm -hmm. uh, like every bad thing that is in the world is concentrated into him. Um but, you know, like it, it, they, they don't actually tell you facts. And like, uh, I believe like people say, oh, well, if you fact checked politicians, no one would do debates. Uh, but does the anybody watch them besides me? Like I watch all of them from start oh, to finish. But does anybody else them, really do that? Especially I watch them and like millions of people watch, like last last debate between Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders got lots of viewers because okay. it was at the beginning of this madness. Remember that? Yeah. Remember when Bernie Sanders was still in the Democrat primary race and we could go outside and talk to people without standing far apart from each other? Yeah, like 14 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, I know. It was like and so, February. <laughs> and so like I, I, I feel like what, what's annoying to me about what Twitter is currently doing is that they've just started this now and like they they could have been doing so much more because there have definitely been tweets where I've read of Donald Trump's over the years. I'm like, he he sounds like he's inciting violence. Um, <laughs> he's retweeting things that are, you know, really, really terrible, uh, to mm -hmm. say the least. Like he he bullies people like, come on, like he's violated the terms of service like a billion times. Um, Absolutely. And I get it. They can't police every user and 
they don't necessarily have to delete his stuff, but like what he says matters and he gets retweeted a lot by people who both disagree with him and agree with him. And like, it's important to not spread misinformation. Like we talked in the news by meme episode and he's the president of the United States. So he carries, unfortunately, a certain like authority. So like, because I watched a CNN story at the beginning of the week about Gulf Shores, Alabama, um, Mm -hmm. and how people are partying like the pandemic's over. Guys, the pandemic is not over. Stop acting like it's over. Um, First of all. Second of all, the CNN interviewed one person and they're like, why aren't you wearing a mask? And they're like, yes. And And he's like, the idiot on the beach. And he's like, I'm not wearing a mask because the president's not wearing a mask. So like, you know, like stuff he does unfortunately matters and as much as i like to pretend that he doesn't exist you can't you can't look away from it um and yeah like him I, tweeting caused I, well so for instance here's one of the problems i have with him him tweeting has actually um sales on hydroxychloroquine are way up hydroxychloroquine which he yeah. believes does yeah. um does fight coronavirus he's wrong um, the reason most of the medical studies have stopped on it is because it turns out that not only does it not fight coronavirus, um, it, it anecdotally did help a couple of people. Most people it made worse. Some people it just outright outright killed, not from coronavirus, just from the drug. Turns out bad idea. Don't type don't take hydroxychloroquine in order to fight covid. Uh, but he insists to this day that it's still a good idea and that he was taking it himself because he's an idiot, but he's an idiot with power. People drink, drink bleach after he talked about that. Like, this is why I, I read an article, uh, that we can connect to Like, you know, there, there should, that, that like was advocating for this, like media companies, especially like actual journalists should like have standards, um, and decide like how they're going to cover this man and like what they're going to do because the election is coming up. The pandemic crisis is here here and getting worse question mark, uh, depending on Mm -hmm. where you're standing. Uh, we like have a undealt with crisis of, you know, the fact that black men and women in particular are being targeted by the police all the time and it's reaching a it seems like a fever pitch at this moment though it seemed like it's reached a fever pitch before and like what what is he doing and how are news organizations covering not only how he's handling this but also like other government officials are handling these crises mm-hmm. like even though mark zuckerberg says that facebook or another social media company should be the arbiter of truth the truth is is that there are true things and there are false things and the way we present stories and the way we tell stories matters to how people see the world. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my rant on it. Well, in, in the, the answer is, you know, uh, I, I do, I do see Zuckerberg's point. I, I really do. But we allow a Twitter troll to become president of the United States. And so the normal rules sort of don't apply as much. I mean, like they're uh, and he's not being he's a troll. And and I want to I'll give him credit. He is the best Twitter troll I've ever seen. He is very good at being a bully. He really is. And there are rules for anybody else. There haven't been. But the rules that um, the rules that we normally apply to cyberbullying are not being used on him. And it's not clear what the best way to handle that is, but this isn't it. <laughs> At least that's my feeling. So we've resolved nothing. He's going to continue to be president 
and to tweet and uh, frankly the you know please don't do what donald trump says it you know it can kill you it can kill other people i'm he's a very bad man <laughs> is, um, i will say this i will say this for him he is keeping a lot of lawyers very well employed yeah i mean i, I hope you I, I i hope you don't have to like sue people for drinking bleach <laughs> that's because i'm i'm honestly worried about that uh there's no there's no good way out of that this is not going to be the happy episode you know but pop culture isn't always happy the end <laughs> that's what I, that's what i got today <laughs> josh thanks for helping us out with this i mean because I, I, I do think that you know the reason i wanted to make sure when hannah said she wanted to do this i was like oh this seems like a great idea because when she said you want to be on it's like well great because rather than just us bitching it is nice to have somebody who at least sort of understands things that we don't so thank you no no problem i'm glad to, glad to do it <laughs> and i'm going to ask you a question you're always going to say yeah josh is there anything you want to plug <laughs> It's your pocket constitution today. I, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> oh, that's the first like time you ever pocket. actually had one. Katya, who also doesn't use social media, where can people find you not using social media? Well, you can find me on Instagram at that, just that nerd kid. Uh, but given recent events, um, and we're in the business of floods, if you are at all invested in what's been going on in Minnesota, um, we're going to drop a link in the show notes to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which is helping uh, people meet bail from protests. So sounds wonderful. Positive action you can take today. Perfect. And that will, yes, absolutely be leaked in the show notes. And Palindrome Hannah. Yeah. Okay. So you can follow me on Twitter at Hannah Lee Rogers. Um, and right now, honestly, I'm just retweeting. Um, a bunch of stuff from like the Minnesota Freedom Fund and other ways that people can like help um, who are not in Minnesota necessarily. Um, so I'm just trying to amplify that. Um, but I, I believe that we have the Minnesota Freedom Fund links in the show notes already. Mm-hmm. If I didn't miss that. Okay, great. All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chris Maverick, where you'll see a lot of me tweeting at the president and, you know, very eloquently saying stuff like, what the fuck, dude? And sometimes what the actual fuck, dude? You know, that that's essentially been the quality of my, of my commentary towards him lately. Um, I also sometimes um, blog at my blog at www.chrismaverick.com. I was recently, you know, sort of resharing my um a post that i wrote about ferguson riots six years ago that is suddenly very relevant today as we are going through it again with minneapolis uh you can follow the show on facebook or twitter or instagram all of the places always at vox popcast you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we post calls for comments where we talk about what we're going to be talking on the about on the next show and you can give us ideas you can suggest topics or you can comment on this or any other episode and give us your thoughts even if you just want to complain about the orange weirdo who currently occupies the white house in the united states of america you know we're right there with you obviously so if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do then subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or spotify or wherever the hell you get podcasts from and do us a favor leave us a five-star review especially on itunes that helps other people find the show by goosing the algorithm making us more popular and letting other people hear us complain about donald trump and i'm sure you know because what i really want is i want him to be just as angry at me as he is at jack dorsey because you know i i I just i don't like him Hannah, Hannah doesn't like him. Katya doesn't like him. Josh, we don't like him. So show, so you know, 
support us to support your hatred of him. That would be great. And also, you know, definitely check out the links for the MFF and for the other things that we've put in the show notes this time, especially because there's a lot of really important stuff happening and people that need your help right now. Uh, I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you for listening. Once again, thank Josh for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Once again, for links as to how you can help out with the problems from the protests in Minnesota and other places in the United States, please check the show notes on this episode. Thanks. And once again, be safe.